Okay, what is up? Welcome to the first episode of the Rowdies and Revenants podcast. I have no idea how to start this. We're just we're just gonna roll with it. We'll figure it out later. <laughs> so, um, was originally gonna record this a little bit earlier, but uh, had to take a bit of a break to go and cry. Um, much thanks to a couple of folks on the Winona Earp side of Twitter for that. <laughs> Shout out to Cushy, Emmy, Kirst, Rachel, and Tay. Uh, I'm only just now emotionally stable enough to continue recording. <laughs> but okay, so all things uh, considered, I don't know how to do this, right? I only listen to fictional podcasts, so figuring out how to format a nonfiction one is going to be a journey. So, all of that considered, bear with me as I figure out how I'm going to format this whole thing, how the episodes are going to go, etc. Um, today, I think I was just going to go and be a bit simple. Um, I'm going to watch the episode from last week, Winona Earp, Season 4, Episode 10, uh, Life Turned Her That Way. I'm going to rewatch that, and uh, we're going to go through this together, and I'll... Uh, just discuss the episode. It'll be nice, it'll be laid back, and then in a few hours I can watch the uh, episode airing tonight and take an entire week to recover from that, too. Alright, so, um, yeah, I guess let's get started. I'll bring up the episode here. Okay, okay, so we're starting off strong. We get reminded of the end of last episode, which I absolutely hated, um... We'll talk about that on another episode, <laughs> but, um, and we start off pretty much where you could have expected to leave off, Winona's, you know, going out and killing things, lots of things, every single day, and eventually needs an intervention, and I just want to talk about this, um, I did not, not on Twitter, but on Tumblr, why am I there, uh, I saw a lot of people insinuating that Waverly should not have attempted an intervention, and that Winona is not, in fact, struggling with anything, and I just wanted to say that that's blatantly untrue. Winona is down-spiraling and needs help. My cat? Hi. Anyway. <coughs> Winona's down-spiraling, and she clearly needs some sort of help, right? And she's not getting it from the people she usually leans on, because... Because, and understandably so, Waverly and Nicole um, are very much engrossed in their own plans for the wedding and everything, which I get, but I have been extremely frustrated at how they just don't seem to notice anything going on with Winona until, I guess, this episode where they host the intervention, and I was... Very relieved to find out I'm not the only one who feels that way. There are a lot of other people who've been extremely frustrated because how have you not noticed that Winona is just going down this down spiral and needs some help? You, it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense. Normally, I feel like they would have noticed. And yes, the wedding is very distracting and things. I don't know. It was just a gripe of mine. <laughs> I feel like they would have noticed a lot sooner, and they should have noticed a lot sooner. But now we're here. And here is extremely chaotic. <laughs> there is never not going to be a time when this theme song does not make me want to just weep. <laughs> Especially the closer we get to 
that which we shall not mention. So we just had that uh, discussion between Waverly and Winona, um, where Winona asks what the difference is, I guess, between Waverly killing um, Mama Clanton and her killing Holt, and obviously I think she knows what the difference is, but a part of me is just, Holt wanted to change, the mother did not. Holt just wanted all of this shit to go away. He wanted peace, basically. He wanted to be free from all of this bullshit and start over again. He wanted to just do his job as a sheriff and just move on, which I found um, ties back to my own opinion of Bobo Del Rey from the first season, um, who I think ultimately just wanted to be free from the curse as well. Obviously, you know, there's it's complex. It's very complex. But ultimately... I feel like, in my own personal opinion, um, uh, brain, brain dead, um, in my personal opinion, um, with Bobo Del Rey, I feel like, ultimately, like, the, you know, outlying goal was just to be free. He wanted to escape the Ghost River Triangle, he wanted to escape the curse, and I genuinely believe, had he and Willa's uh, succeeded, you would not have heard from them ever again. I ultimately believe that they would have, you know, run off someplace, found a place to stay, and just, you know, disappeared into, you know, whatever, <laughs> right? Because everything that Bobo did ultimately was leading up to him getting out of the triangle. That was his main focus. So, I, 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 I feel like he and Holt were very similar in that regard, because, like I said, Holt, um, Holt, Holt just wanted to do his job as sheriff. He just wanted to forget about his mom's, you know, whole reapers destroy whatever thing, and, you know, obviously he still cared about his mom, obviously, but from the way he talked to Doc about it, he just wanted to move on. And so I relate him to Bobo in that regard um, pretty um, pretty intensely. I don't remember where I was going with this. <laughs> but yeah, that's what it reminded me of. And I think that was the difference between Winona killing Holt by shooting him in the back, mind you, and Waverly killing Mama, Mama Clanton face-to-face, -face, if I recall. Um... There were a lot of differences, and I'm pretty sure Winona knew the differences and just doesn't want to admit them to herself right now, which makes sense with all of these other things going on. Um, the uh, the wedding, you know, she feels like she's losing Waverly and Nicole. Um, Doc is basically moving on with his life. He has finally accepted his demons, came to terms with his demons, and just wants to let the past go. He just wants to move on, much like Holt, and... I think she feels stuck. I think she feels like she's, well, trapped by the curse, even though the curse has been broken. And I think it's a case of, um, you know how people who have depression are oftentimes concerned because they're worried that if they find a treatment that makes the depression go away, they're not going to have an identity. Their, their main identity was the depression because it overtook their entire lives, and when that's gone, what is going to be left? And I think that's what's going on with Winona is that with the curse gone, if she just gives up Peacemaker, gives up killing, you know, demons, 
I feel like she's having an identity crisis. Like, what's gonna ha- what, what am I going to be without this thing that's taken over my entire life for as long as I've been alive? So I can see why she's not really allowing herself to accept that she does have a choice. Like Ginny said in the last episode, she does have a choice. She just doesn't think that she does, which is hard to explain. But I feel like a lot of you get where I'm coming from. It's that mentality of if I lose this one thing that has consumed my entire life, what am I going to be? What am I going to do? How am I going to cope with it? Especially because, you know, she's not going to have Waverly's support the same way that she did, you know, with the curse still being a thing because Waverly's going to get married. Her and Nicole are going to, you know, ride off into the sunset and Winona believes that that's going to be the end of it. She's going to lose her sister. And so she, you know, accepts the fact that she doesn't have to kill demons all the time and has to deal with that lack of identity again. She's not going to have Waverly to help her through it. At least that's how she's thinking. So that was a whole long tangent, but y'all get what I mean. Um, Let's continue. (laughs) Okay, so we just got to the part of the episode where Waverly and Doc are out by the stairs talking about the book and about the garden. And um, first, a quick aside, I absolutely love the relationship between those two and how much they absolutely care for each other. I love it. I love it a lot. But, um, what I wanted to talk about especially was the quotes, um, Waverly talks about how when she was on the throne, uh, it took all of her cares away. Basically, she didn't feel, you know, not necessarily anything, but she didn't feel anything bad. It just, she didn't worry anymore. And Doc says that sounded like hell, and she said that it felt like heaven. And I really just, I love that quote, first of all. And I haven't had a I haven't had a lot of time to to dissect the differences between that, but I think it really illustrates um, the difference between her and the difference between um, Doc and how they look at emotions, specifically negative emotions. I find it really interesting because it seems like Doc, the idea of not caring about anything at all, the idea of not feeling, regardless of how painful those feelings are is just like the worst thing he can possibly imagine um most likely because i mean this this man has been in hell he knows what hell is like which makes me wonder how much of not feeling anything ties back to what he experienced in hell or whether it was just a throwaway comment i don't see him making that comment as a throwaway when he's actually, you know, been there and suffered there and has those memories, you know, stuck in his head, I don't think he would just casually state something like that when it didn't have some part of what hell had felt like for him, which is a whole thing that I really want to delve into, but I'm not going to do it here. That's something I have to do in writing. Um, contrast that to Waverly, who said that it felt like heaven to not, you know, have these cares, not have these concerns, these negative feelings. For her, that was like heaven. And... (laughs) Cat. Um, I just find that really interesting. Because it does tie back with, you know... She has spent her entire life worrying and caring for other people. She's constantly worried for Winona's safety, for the safety of everybody around her. Constantly, you know, putting everybody first. Um, Well, not constantly, but you, you get the gist, right? It's just been her entire life. Caring about so many things, so many things on her plate, and focusing on them, and 
you know, all of this stuff bouncing around in her head, so of course it would feel like heaven to not have to think about any of that stuff anymore. And I don't really have a point here, I just really, really liked the contrast between those two quotes, and really wanted to at least, you know, touch on them uh, real quick before we start to get into the meat of the episode where, you know, shit starts to hit the fan. Um, so let me just hit play again, and uh, yeah. Okay, now we're at the um, scene where the demons show up, and they're, you know, they're starving, and they're hungry, and they want Doc to leave Waverly for them. Um, first of all, I want to talk real quick about how Doc is still, despite the fact that Holt is dead, and he could have easily given up on his, um, his plans to be a better person, he could have easily just given up on that after Winona, you know, let into him about it, but he didn't. He's been effectively keeping most of the demons under control with, you know, however he's doing it, because, you know, they're just now deciding to fight back because they're not getting food, because the supply trucks are not coming in, which, just, just the implication that Doc has been keeping everybody at bay and trying to handle things and keep the peace by, you know, effectively becoming the new proprietor of the glory hole, I feel like, because, you know, after Eamon's whole thing, and Eamon's gone... Um, it feels like he's basically been, you know, focused on trying to keep things level and steady, um, and kind of his head, headquarters of that whole thing is at the, at the nightclub. Like, I don't really have a point to that, I just really like just that subtle detail of, well, he's, you know, keeping things as steady as he possibly can and still striving to reach that level of peace that he originally talked to Holt about. I love that. I love that a lot. I also love that, um, the quote, I expected this kind of chicanery from you, but not from you, Remy. I just, I like Remy, which is, of course, unsurprising, considering he dies, <laughs> but he's because, he's, he's created a rapport with these, these, um, with the demons, and in doing so, in basically treating them like equals and, you know, making compromises with them has been keeping things kind of under, you know, keeping things at bay. Um, and I just, I don't know, I really like that. I just really like that he's still trying so damn hard to just find a peaceful medium for everybody. I just really appreciate it. I just, I love it. I love it. I love Doc, obviously. <laughs> And now we have Jolene, and she's talking to Waverly, and I love that little that little quote that's absolutely a throwback to uh, the quote from Casablanca. Of all the cabins in all the world, you just had to walk into mine, which is, of course, a, you know, a throwback to the quote from Casablanca. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine, and I just, I love that. I just, I love it. I love that little, little throwback to pop culture. Right there. Um, but yeah, I remember first uh, seeing that Jolene was back. I was not happy because Jolene is probably my least favorite of the villains slash antagonists we have seen. Um, uh, I don't really know why, man. I can't really explain to you why. I just really did not like her. <laughs> you know, she fed, I think it was because she fed on everybody's insecurities and just... She's, to me, the embodiment of uh, that evil little voice in your head, you know? 
that you don't want to listen to, but it's so impossible to keep from listening to it. She's the embodiment of that for me, and I hate it. I hate it. So when it was her that came back, I was just... Ugh. Ugh, no. Leave. I don't want you here. <laughs> like, just, just go away. <laughs> you know, and then we've got Black Badge, who are just here for seemingly no fucking reason, right? Um... Killing people for no reason, obviously, as they do, trying to do whatever it is they do, and just, ugh. I love the line where Doc, you know, right before he passes the fuck out, he's like, I will remember your face, because he will, and I just, I want to see what happens when he does that, you know, they finally meet up again, but I, dude, Black, fuck Black Patch, man, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I have nothing to add here. I just really hate Black Badge almost as much as I hate Jolene. <laughs> okay, okay, maybe Remy didn't die. I can't quite remember. But can I just talk about how much I adore this scene between um, Rachel, Winona, and Remy? Remy's obviously injured, and Winona's ready to you know, go ahead, do the shooting. Rachel <laughs> hits the floor, gets out her med kit, and starts, you know, trying to help Remy. And I just, I love the look on Winona's face right there. Which is like, hello, this one's a demon. And Rachel's just like, yeah, and his name is also, and also his name is Remy, and he plays bass in a Halsey cover band. <laughs> like, something that I loved about, um, a call, this is a callback to season one, uh, I think it was episode five, um, Digging Up Bones, was when Winona kind of started to get the idea that not all of the revenants were just, you know, black and white evil, that things weren't just good and bad, and that there were nuances. Because we have Ambrose Fish, who literally helped her with, you know, basically anything that she was asking for in that episode. And all he wanted in return was help finding his boyfriend. That's all he wanted. Um, I could go on about all the other nuances about that episode that I love, including his line to Doc, but I'm not going to. The point is... She realized that it's not black and white. Sometimes the people that you think are quote-unquote evil because of what they are, they're not. And she seems to have just lost that acknowledgement, I guess, over the um, course of season four. And so I think she's kind of maybe hopefully getting it back, seeing Rachel tend to, to Remy like this. Um... And even Remy, even the way Remy talks and the way he's just acting, like, he clearly did, he was just hungry. That's literally the only reason he was doing what he was doing with um, Dallas, was because they were, they're, they're starving. Of course, they're going to act the way that they're going to act. And, you know, he genuinely sounded sorry, and he genuinely sounded like he was afraid for what would happen to Waverly in the fog. And I just, I'm talking on that point because my favorite fucking thing in storytelling is when shit gets turned on its head, when what you think is, you know, the truth and the solid, you know, 110% truth gets flipped around, and this show is very good at that, first of all, but also I just, I just love when they show that some of these revenants, some of these demons, some of these evil creatures are just human beings, basically, not in physicality, but in mentality, they're just like everybody else. This dude plays bass in a Halsey cover band, for God's sake, you know? Um, and I just, I love that. I love it when people acknowledge that 
just because somebody's past slash history slash genetics slash whatever usually dictates that they're a bad person doesn't necessarily mean that they are. And I just, I love, th I love that, and I love that Rachel has that shit on lock in her head. It's just, I love it. I love it a lot. And now here we have, you know, Doc is locked up with Dallas the demon, and uh, BBD already has one of those as far as, you know, that type of demon goes, and so they kill him, obviously. And I love that despite the fact that he was ready, he was ready to shoot Dallas um, if he tried anything with Waverly, Doc still is clearly upset about the fact that they killed him. I don't know if that's got anything to do with the fact that he genuinely, you know, yeah, words. Either way, it bothered him, and I really like that they showed that fact, because, again, it's just another callback to the fact that he is trying his goddamnedest to, you know, just be neutral, to keep the peace, and just see the better side of people. Um... Yeah, but I also just love seeing him vamp out like that. I just, I love it. I do. <laughs> I love, I love it when he goes all vampire. Also, because I would be remiss if I did not, um, the outfit he's got going on with this episode, the, uh, the rainbow palm tree shirt with the leather jacket, absolutely gorgeous. Love it. Still trying to find that damn shirt. I want that rainbow palm tree shirt. I want it. <laughs> Here's where things start to get frustrating. We've got, um... Everybody's gearing up to go into the fog to get Waverly. Uh, Nicole and Winona have their argument, which um, I'm on Rachel's side. It is Nicole's turn. Um, but this is a frustrating scene for me because I knew when I was watching this for the first time that some shit was going to go down and this was going to be the last time we saw Casey. And I was not happy about it. And I'm still not happy about it. <laughs> I love the friendship him and Rachel have, though. Like, that's what I'm trying to focus on before, you know, we get the whole, uh, let's not think about that right now. Um, right now we've got Jolene and Waverly having their conversation and the notch marks on the wall. And How did Jolene's hair get blonde? Where is she getting hair dye out here? I've got questions and none of them have answers. <laughs> now see, as much as I hate Jolene... And how she, you know, gets into your head and is basically that nagging voice that you don't want to fucking listen to. Um, it makes me... I do wonder how much of the stuff she's saying to Waverly in these scenes is actual truth. Because we do know that Waverly was, at one point or another, extremely, you know, jaded and jealous, I guess. About the fact that Winona was the chosen one and it was a whole thing. Like, the, especially when Willa came back. Like, we really got to see a lot of how being the baby sister to first one and then another heir, you know, kind of affected her and how she felt kind of, you know, just kind of left at the side. So she was definitely very, you know, jealous about that sort of thing. So how much of the shit that Jolene is telling us, telling her is true? Because that part was true. So, like, how much the rest of this is, I don't know. And we can't know unless we get uh, further into Waverly's head. And I think that's something I would absolutely like to do at some point because... Some of this stuff that Jolene said was true, so... See, what really gets me... Don't mind me, I'm just tearing up again. I'm an emotional little shit. Um, first of all, one, Casey's half-demon. 
if I remember correctly. Two, he did not need to help them. He did not need to agree to go and help Waverly, but he did anyway. And he died because of it. And that just gets me. <laughs> because I at least hope by the end of the season that Winona realizes, oh yeah, this half-demon dude helped me save my sister and died because of it. Because I think right now she's still kind of stuck in the whole all demons are bad thing, and it just... Ugh, um, I'm glad that Rachel was there, <laughs> because, like, obviously she doesn't want anybody coming back out until, you know, Waverly is safe and not with Jolene and stuff, but if Rachel hadn't been there to ignore Winona and pull the rope back, I mean, Casey was already gone, so, I mean, there wasn't much to happen there, and Nicole had already let go of the rope, but, like, I don't know, I just... I'm glad that Rachel was there and that she tried to pull the rope in. I wish maybe it had happened a bit sooner and maybe we wouldn't have lost Casey. But, like, I can get it. I get it. I get why Winona didn't want anybody coming back until Waverly was safe. But Rachel saw that they'd given the signal to come back and immediately brought them back. Winona wasn't going to listen to the signal. And I get why she didn't, but... I, it frustrates me, right? I don't fault her for it, but it bugs me. It bugs me that she would have ignored that signal to who knows what detriment, possibly losing both Nicole and Casey instead of just Casey because she wanted Waverly to come out safe first, which, again, you can't, if they lost both of them, nobody's bringing Waverly back. So I just, I don't know. The, the, the dichotomy between Rachel and Wagner. And how similar they are and yet different is just very interesting to see here because Rachel says she wants to learn to be more like Winona. She wants to learn to defend herself and kind of, you know, navigate this crazy world. And she wants Winona to teach her, but they've still got these 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 extremely um extremely big differences between each other. And you know I'm <laughs> Just sitting here thinking, I mean, Winona may have had these same different things. Like, Rachel is willing to think first, shoot later type of thing. She's willing to help the demons who she knows are not a threat and blah, blah, blah. And it makes me wonder, was Winona ever like that? Or was she, did she learn from an early age because of, you know, her sister being who she was and the revenants attacking the homestead and everything? Did she ever have a phase where she wasn't so black and white, dead set against these are bad, these are good type of things? Like, did she have a phase like Rachel? And if so, when did that phase kind of shift to her mentality now, where it's shoot first, don't ask questions, demons are demons, humans are humans, I will kill whatever I have to protect my family. When did that shift happen? If it happened at all, and she wasn't already, you know, just in that mindset. And what do we think... About Rachel, like, assuming she takes up the whole mantle and everything like that, can she do that and still maintain, you know, not necessarily innocence, but maintain that critical thinking that lets her investigate, I guess, before deciding whether something is good or bad? Like, is it possible to keep on the type of role of the ERP heir without, you know... With that critical thinking in mind, is it possible to be the ERP heir and still, you know, think before you leap type of thing? Like, is it possible? I think it is. 
other people think it isn't. It's a very interesting thing to think about. But enough of me babbling about that. Um, let's hit play, and I will spare you guys listening to me cry when Casey comes out of the fog. <sighs> I just really love Rachel. <laughs> he should be buried on his land at home. <laughs> and even though Winona snaps at her and makes her jump quite a bit, you know, she's still trying to comfort Winona and you know, keep things together, and I just, I, 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 I don't talk about Rachel enough, but I, I do love her a lot. She brings, not stability, but she brings a sense of grounding, I guess, in my personal opinion, um, whatever, but I just, I love it. I love that she's, you know, she's trying so hard to make sure that Casey gets the proper treatment, and I just, ugh, it breaks my heart. <laughs> oh, I love seeing Doc and Jeremy together again. It soothes us all, even when it's in this state of affairs. <laughs> I just, god, Jeremy is the purest, most good-hearted person I've ever fucking seen on television. He's locked up in the fucking feed pen, and he's still like, Volkov, you should be making sure your, your your kids and your wife get out safe, you know? Never mind that I'm locked up in here to become food for somebody. I, you, should, you should be with your family. <laughs> like, just... Uh. <laughs> then we have Doc shooting the fucking door panel. <laughs> I love him, but uh, not the best decision there, Doc. <laughs> God, and this scene fucking kills me because, of all the people, first of all, she chooses fucking Cleo, which I still think is a stupid idea, because you can't just assume that Cleo is gonna do what you want her to do it and do it properly, and not, you know, try to pull one over you. But first, second of all, just to apologize to Doc, um, genuinely, it seems like, and then <laughs> just turn around and take Cleo and leave Doc and Jeremy to be turned into food is just, I get why she did it. There's a reason, yada yada, whatever. But I can't stop thinking about how that must have felt to Doc and Jeremy to, first of all, see that the enemy was getting let out first, but also, this has to be fucking terrifying. You're locked up in a cell in a town that is apparently scheduled to be turned into Maldito, basically, you know, blown off the fucking map. Um... In a, in a thing called the feed pen, of all things, which is terrifying, you see your friend, and you're like, oh, fucking thank God, we're gonna get out of here, and then she, she's only allowed to take one, which is a horrible choice, by the way, to be made to choose between two of your friends. I would not have been able to make that choice. That would've, I would've, I, I, I would've just melted down, broke down, fucking whatever. So kudos to her for being able to make the choice, but also to just choose Cleo. I just... The emotions that must have been going through people's heads in that moment. Like, first of all, people must have been so fucking confused. Like, of, you, you're, you're two friends and you want her, the person who is objectively the reason all of this is happening. Um, just, I, I'm, I don't know. The whole scene rips my heart out and stomps on it on the ground. <laughs> but I just, I can't, can't not put myself in Docs and Jeremy's shoes and think, holy shit. The thoughts that must have been going through their head. 
Holy crap. Oh my god. <laughs> and obviously I would be remiss if I didn't take a moment to comment on Dominique's um, performance here. Um, oh, sorry. The, the episode is playing in the background and Rachel just set flowers on Casey's body. He's like, don't worry, we'll take you home. Um, got distracted there for a second. Um, Dominique's performance. Um, holy shit. They blew it out of the fucking ballpark. Um, just, you know, emotional scenes like the ones she's done with Jolene in just this one episode. They're extremely difficult to do. I know this because I have attempted them in short films before, and it is, it is not an easy feat. First, you've got to get into the mindset to be able to play those emotions genuinely and the way that you should, and, um, not only, sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm pausing, pausing the episode here. That is not, that is not an easy thing to do, to get into the mindset that you need to be for those emotions and to be able to play them genuinely, and then when the actors. Um, when the, uh, when, when they say cut to get out of that mindset, possibly really quickly to go and film a scene where you might have to be feeling an entirely opposite emotion. Um, you don't get a lot of time to process, you know, first of all, I just put myself into a very vulnerable, very heartbroken space and you don't get a lot of time in between scenes to be able to process the place you just put yourself and, you know, switch things up. It's extremely difficult. It takes a lot of skill. And Dom just blew it out of the park. She... Absolutely amazing, right? I cannot even imagine <laughs> how difficult that must have been for her, um, knowing what I do. Um, just absolutely stunning. <laughs> I'm in awe. I really am. Anyway, we're at the part where Rachel's like, you chose the Clanton lady over our friends. And I'm like, same, Rachel. I can totally see why you were the fucking confused, because so am I. And I remember watching this scene and being like, how the fuck do you know that she's just going to do what you need her to do and not, you know, screw you over? And then not a few minutes later, bam, the Reaper is connected to Winona as well. Cleo claims that it's for the better good and to help, you know, keep them from being lost in the fog or whatever. But like, really? Really? Like, I don't know why you would trust her. With your gun? I mean, she knows you're not gonna fucking shoot her because you need her to get your sister out of the fog. So she knows you're not gonna kill her. She, she has no reason. No reason whatsoever to not try anything. You know? I just... Ugh, I just... I don't understand. I still don't understand the choice completely. But, you know, I'm sure it has a, a reason for the plot point later on. So let us continue... <laughs> So anyway, we're reaching the end of the episode here. Uh, Jolene's dead. Fucking finally. Can she please stay dead? I don't want to see her again. We've got Doc trying to pry open the bars in his rainbow palm tree shirt that I still want. <laughs> so, we've got Dark Angel Waverly. Um, I don't know how I feel about her yet, because we don't really get to see a whole lot of her in the last like couple of seconds of the, the episode. Um... So we will save my opinions on that. Mercedes showing up is something I did not expect, but I also am somehow not surprised because she just has a habit of showing up at the weirdest fucking times, right? Um, so just, I, I don't know what her deal is. We'll find out, I'm sure. Maybe, or maybe we won't, considering, you know, she just got shot. 
Um, but <laughs> there are a lot of theories for how Mercedes may have survived this. I'm not sure which I believe. Um, maybe her giant belt buckle stopped the bullets. I highly doubt that. Maybe her compact was special. Who knows? Don't know. Maybe she had a bulletproof vest on. Maybe she was a vampire. Maybe Doc turns her into a vampire in the next episode. I personally don't know which theory I am here for. I kind of like the theory that she got turned into a vampire with Kate back when they were uh, rooming together. I don't know how likely that theory is, but it's my favorite. Um, anyway, it'll be very satisfying to watch Mr. Beardy die. I don't know who the, what the fuck his name is. I don't particularly give enough of a shit to find out what his name is. Um, I do know that apparently he played Lou back in the, um, the, uh, the convent that they found Willa at. Um, I personally liked him better in that role because, holy shit, fuck this BBD agent guy. Um, hopefully he dies. I really hope it's... Well, I can't... I'm torn. I really want to see Doc kill him because that revenge would be so sweet. But I also don't know if that would, like, take away from all of the growth that he's been doing to, you know, not be so vengeful. So I don't know how I... I don't know which I want more, to be honest. But I just really hope that this guy dies. I don't like him. I don't like him at all. And we are at the end of the episode. Um, final thoughts on the episode scene. Um, honestly, I'm just wondering how the fuck Waverly changed clothes. <laughs> it looks like she's wearing a completely different outfit. Maybe it's just her dress went dark. I don't know. But her dress was like white and yellow before and now it's gray. Maybe that's just a whole thing of her going dark. I don't know. But it seems like she just changed clothes. And I just... Maybe it's to cope with the pain of this episode, but I just like the thought that she, after killing Jolene, took the time to open, like, a wardrobe or something in that cabin and, like, change clothes before going to fight Winona. <laughs> because you gotta look your best, and your clothes gotta match your uh, new aesthetic. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very curious to see how this all plays out. Um, Waverly telling Winona that her journey is over and Waverly's begins is interesting because I feel like it could go either way. That could mean something ominous and truly evil. Like, you know, I'm going to kill you and you're not going to be, you know, on your path anymore type of thing. Or it could be something less evil and more... Her way of doing Winona a favor, like, this road has been a long one and exhausting for you, and you are not obligated to walk it anymore. I'm taking over the mantle for it. So, in essence, her statement there could go either way, and I'm very curious to see which way it goes, but that also ties back into what I've been talking about, about how just because something is dark or seems evil does not necessarily mean that it is evil. I mean, everything considered, everybody's going on about Dark Waverly, Dark Waverly. Dark does not necessarily mean bad. So I'm very curious to see where they go with that quote, because like I said, it could go both ways. And I'm very, very interested to see which way it goes. Anyway, um, that will conclude my review, discussion, reaction, whatever, to um, Winona Earp Season 4, Episode 10. Um, like I said, this is messy. 
this is, um, I don't know where I'm going with this, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be formatting this podcast, I don't know how to end it, I don't know anything, right, but (laughs) hopefully this was somewhat entertaining for you guys, feel free to leave comments, suggestions, whatever else, just be nice about it, I'm a fucking baby, don't be mean, (laughs) but yeah, I've had a lot of fun recording this. Um, I'm gonna go and try to figure out how to put it all together, and then I'm gonna upload it, and I'm gonna put it out there, and, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys have as much fun listening to it as I did recording it, and hopefully as time passes, um, I get more of a handle on how I want this thing to go. So, thank you for tuning in to Rowdies and Revenants, episode one, and, uh, I will hopefully see you guys next week if I can get my shit together. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in.